I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. As is the king, so is the kingdom. If you missed the pilot episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. This episode is coming to you on Holy Week. It is the week between Palm Sunday and Easter when we reflect on the passion of the Christ, when we reflect on all the things that happened in that incredibly important week. It begins with Palm Sunday where Jesus enters into Jerusalem and he comes in a very unique kind of way. We celebrate Palm Sunday as this day when they waved the palm branches and said, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and lauding who Jesus was. But Jesus chose to do something really interesting, and that is he chose to enter on a donkey, not on a war horse, not on a chariot pulled by a war horse. That would have been something that Caesar would have done, or some kind of king who was celebrating military might and victory through violence and force. Jesus comes in on a donkey, which is an unassuming animal. It is a lowly beast, as they say. And he's doing that to send a kind of message. Because all the things that will transpire on this Holy Week, from what will happen in the Garden of Gethsemane, what will happen in the upper room, what will happen at the crucifixion, what will happen on Holy Saturday when Jesus knowingly, willingly goes the distance for us, and then what happens on Easter Sunday. All of these events of Holy Week are telling us something about the character of God. We talk a lot on this podcast about the kingdom of God. And I like to put it this way, the kingdom is determined by the king. What kind of kingdom is this, the kingdom of God? Well, it's determined by the king. And King Jesus is a humble and gentle king. That's what's unique. Never in history have we seen anything like King Jesus. Never. When you think about the great rulers throughout history. They were people who ruled by might and by power, some of them not very good characters, whether it's Mussolini or Hitler or Napoleon. We think of these rulers who come and use power and force because the kingdom of this world works that way. But here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus into the Passover week where anticipation was very high. People hoped that the Messiah would come. 
They hoped that the Messiah would come and would purge Jerusalem from all these Gentiles and restore Israel. That was the hope. But Jesus gets on that donkey and rides in, saying, no, it's a different kind of king. Pilate would ask him at the end of the week, so are you the king of the Jews? Are you a king? And Jesus would say, yes, I am, but not of this world, a different kind of kingdom that he would rule over. So here comes this Messiah, the Christ. That's the Greek word for Messiah. Here comes this Christ who's coming in and telling the world, this is how I am. This is the kind of God that you serve. Because what do we know? We know that Jesus would be wrongfully convicted and brutally executed. He wouldn't win his victory on this week until the very end. As Philip Ryken says, he would not win his victory until Easter Sunday. The rightful king, the victorious king, is also the gentle king. Jesus comes not with pomp and circumstance, but with all humility and meekness. If we're saved by a gentle king, Riken says, then we should serve him with all gentleness. Jesus is showing us who God is. I've said many times on this podcast that John 14.9 is a really important verse because he said there, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Trinity is not separated or different. They are unified. So if you see Jesus, you see the Father and the Spirit. They work in tandem. They work together. So when Philip Ryken is saying he is a gentle king, he, is a, he comes in humility, then we have to say, okay, what does that mean? When you think about gentleness, we often think that it's someone who is incredibly weak. But if you think about it, gentleness requires or presupposes strength. What do I mean by that? Well, so if a person is incredibly weak, maybe can, due to health or age or something, you see someone is very frail, and you would not say of them, oh, well, well, they're very gentle. But if someone has great strength but doesn't use it to dominate or coerce or force or push, then we'd say, oh, they're being gentle. Gentleness requires strength. Jesus had all the strength the world can offer. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has all strength, but he chooses to be gentle. The same is true of humility. We often think that humility means some kind of self-abasement or uh, that you're not a good person. You're just, oh, I'm terrible, awful. No, no, no. Humility requires power. If a person is powerless, we don't say, oh, they're very, they're very humble. No, it's only when a person has the power but chooses not to use it for their own gain but chooses to serve, we say, wow, look at the humility. That person has the power but isn't using it in that way. So just as gentleness presupposes strength, humility presupposes power. And Jesus has both of those. So as Riken says, then, 
if we're saved by a gentle king, then we should serve him with all gentleness. That's what we are called to do. And this is precisely why Paul, in his beautiful words in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, says this, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul is telling this young church at Philippi, these Christians gathered together who would have heard this epistle read to them. He's saying, hey guys, have the same mind in you that was in Jesus. He was in the form of God. He was God, but he didn't take that equality and exploit that, that power. But instead he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He humbled himself to the point of death. That's why Holy Week is so profound because we're seeing an upside-down kingdom because we have, in a sense, an upside-down king, a king who just doesn't reflect the values of this world. But because he does that, let's finish that beautiful passage in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, because Paul then says, because of what Jesus has done in humbling himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Wow. That's what happens. Jesus does it this way. Because we say, well, why did he have to die? Why, why did it have to be this way? What, couldn't God have used power just to destroy the Romans who occupied Israel? Couldn't, couldn't God have, through power, just displayed, hey, this is, this is who I am instead? God goes another route. I'm going to become human in the backwaters of this, this unknown, this Nazareth, right? Can anything good come from Nazareth? He's going to grow up there in humility and simplicity and be a, a blue-collar worker and then become a rabbi, but then die on the cross for us. But look at what happened as a result of it. Think, for example, the hope that people had was, oh, he's going to purge Jerusalem of these Gentiles. The Romans will kick him out. And then, boy, wouldn't it be great just to head off to Rome and overthrow that power, right? the, the center of the, the empire in Rome, go ahead and dismantle that. I didn't do that. Or did he? Because if you go to Rome today, you will see a city that is shot through with the Christ. I mean, the Vatican is there, the Pope is there, the churches, the, 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 the entire city reverberates with the Christian message. It's everywhere. You can't throw a stone and not hit something that doesn't reflect that. He didn't do it by military force or violence. He did it through love, giving himself up. Through humility and through gentleness, that's how Jesus won the battle. Because he's not just aimed at overtaking some place in a military way. 
he's interested in overtaking our hearts. I love what C.S. Lewis said. I've quoted this before about humility, that it isn't some form of self-abasement. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was not thinking of himself. He was thinking of us. Even on the cross when he says, Father, forgive them, they don't even know what they're doing. He's still thinking about us. As is the king, so is the kingdom. Because Jesus comes not to slay his enemies, but to die for them. Jesus comes into Jerusalem for this holy week in all humility as a servant. Because Jesus wasn't interested in taking over Jerusalem. He was focused on taking over your heart and mine. And the cost of doing that was what we would learn about on the Friday we call good. This humble king comes and creates a humble people. One of my favorite stories is from Martin Lloyd-Jones, great preacher of old. A man came to him who was a very successful businessman. He, was, he had a great deal of power and authority, and he came to him and said, I'm really struggling with pride, and I want to learn how to be humble. And Martin Lloyd-Jones said to him, well, I could tell you to become more pious or more religious or engage in these sort of spiritual disciplines. I could tell you to do all those things, but there's a pretty good chance you might turn those into another reason for pride. And this is what he said to him. There's only one way to be humble, and that is to look into the face of Jesus Christ. You cannot be anything else when you see him. Humility is not something you create within yourself. Rather, you look at him, you realize who he is and what he's done, and you are humbled. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hey folks, I want to let you know about a recent development here at Friends University where I teach. We have an undergraduate degree program in Christian spiritual formation a Bachelor of Arts degree, that's both a first and a second major. Now, I teach in this program, as well as some other amazing professors, and I am pleased to announce that Friends University is offering an amazing scholarship of up to $18,000 per year to students interested in studying Christian formation as a part of their college experience. In addition to this amazing scholarship, there'll be hands-on learning with ministry leaders, working with me and others, and great opportunities for internships. Again, this is for both a first major, those who plan on going into ministry, as well as those seeking it as a second major, meaning those who are going to become accountants or therapists or graphic designers or teachers or engineers, any number of other vocations, but they also want to grow in their spiritual lives while in college and get a pretty big scholarship to help pay for college. So if you know someone who would benefit from a degree like this, check out our website, apprenticeinstitute.org and click on the Friends University tab. Again, ApprenticeInstitute.org, and click on the Friends University tab. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, ApprenticeInstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend, and you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, 
What's on your mind? Your answer will be things above. 